Thanks for joining me again. Back for another episode of the Super Weird, the Super Paranormal, the Super Unknown. This is Paranormally Speaking with your host, Neil Parks. I'm an award-winning author, screenwriter, writer-writer in general, left-writer because I'm left-handed, ghost-writer because I write about ghosts, professional artist, historian, paranormal expert. And now a word from our sponsor. Not to mention the rough writer, Teddy Roosevelt, versing Bigfoot one day. Did America's most outdoorsy president have a close encounter with Sasquatch? There's no better time to explore how one of our most famous presidents might have drifted into the orbit of one of our most famous mythical beasts than 4th of July. Theodore Roosevelt, president from 1858 to... No. He was born in 1858, passed away, unfortunately, in 1919. He emerged on the American landscape of a symbol of exuberance, some might say manic masculinity before tumbling into the presidency as a consequence of his predecessor's assassination. He was an active outdoorsman for nearly his entire life. He not only loved hiking, camping, and shooting big animals with high-powered firearms, he loved writing about those experiences. His books included The Wilderness Hunter, Hunting Trips of the Ranchman, and ranch life and the hunting trail. In The Wilderness Hunter, Roosevelt describes a peculiar incident with a Native American guide while hunting in the Selkirk Mountain Range, which extends through Idaho into eastern Washington. Amel objected strongly to leaving the neighborhood of the lake. He went the first day's journey willingly enough, but after that it was increasingly difficult to get him to come along, and he was gradually growing sulky. Finally, he gave us to the uh, understanding that he was afraid because up in the high mountains, there were little bad Indians who would kill him if they caught him alone, especially at night. At first, we thought he was speaking of stray warriors of the Blackfoot tribe, but it turned out he was not thinking of human beings at all, but of hobgoblins. Indeed, the night sounds of these great screeches in the mountain woodland were very, very weird and strange. I never before so well understood why the people who live in lonely forest regions are prone to believe in elves, wood spirits, and other beings of the unseen world. Something was lurking out there, but what? It's easy enough to chalk up those odd night sounds to conventional animal cries, distorted by distances and mountains. But Roosevelt was also an experienced outdoorsman. Something clearly spooked him to the point where he keeps this reminiscence relatively short in contrast to some of his other tales which go on and on and on and another passage from the same book Roosevelt describes a conversation with a mountain man Bauman who he tells a horrifying tale of a creature in the woods Roosevelt sets the scene frontiersmen are not as a rule apt to be very superstitious they lead lives too hard and practical and have too little time for imagination and things spiritual and supernatural. I have heard but a few ghost stories while living on the frontier, and those few were of a perfectly commonplace and conventional type. But I once listened to a goblin story, which rather impressed me. A grizzled, weather-beaten old mountain man, a hunter named Bauman, who born and had passed all of his life on the frontier, told me the story. He must have believed what he was saying, for he could hardly 
repress a shudder at certain points of the tale. But he was of German ancestry, and in childhood had doubtless been saturated with all kinds of ghosts and goblin lore, so that many fearsome superstitions were latent in his mind. Besides, he knew well the stories told by the Indian medicine men in their winter camps of the snow walkers and the specters, spirits, ghosts, and apparitions, the formless evil beings that haunt the forest depths, and dog and waylay the lonely wanderer who after nightfall passes through the regions where they lurk. It may be that when overcome by the horror of the fate that befell his friend and when oppressed by the awful dread of the unknown, he grew to attribute both at the same time still more in remembrance weird and elfin traits to what was merely some abnormally wicked and cunning wild beast. But whether this was so or not, no man can say. Whether the event occurred, Bauman was still a young man and was trapping with a partner along the mountains, among the dividing forks of the salmon from the head of the Wisdom River, not having much, had much of his partner determined to go up into a particularly wild and lonely pass through which ran a small stream said to contain many beavers. The pass had an evil reputation because the year before, a solitary hunter who had wandered into this was slain, seemingly by a wild beast, the half-eaten remains being afterwards found by some mining prospectors who had passed his camp only the night before. The memory of this event, however, waited very lightly with the two trappers, who were as adventurous and hardly as others of their kind. They took their two lean mountain ponies to the foot of the pass, where they left them at an open beaver meadow, the rocky timber-clad ground being from there onward impractical for horses, of course, in that trail. They then struck out on foot through the vast, gloomy forest, and in about four hours reached a little open glade, where they concluded and decided to camp. This is where things get bizarre for them. They encountered giant, hairy humanoid beasts that attacked their camp, ransacked their belongings, took their weapons, and dragged one of the men halfway through the forest away from the opening. And Teddy Roosevelt, when retelling this story, had trouble catching his breath when relaying the information to fellow, fellow trappers, fellow outdoorsmen, and fellow men of the presidential past. Things like this really bring to mind the truth and the validity of tales such as this when someone as reputable as Teddy Roosevelt can actually relay a story and write about it in books that I myself have yet to read but am definitely dying to put my eyes upon. Roosevelt himself never names the creature aside from referring to it as a goblin, which was clearly one of the favorite terms for unknown beasties at that time. But contemporary readers with will instantly note that it sounds a whole lot like Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch, the hairiest, smelliest, biggest, upright, walking, ape-like creature to ever reportedly stalk the mountains and forests of the Americas. We can imagine Roosevelt's regret at never encountering such a beast face-to-face, -face, only finding signs of it. No doubt he would have relished facing off against such an impressive cryptoid. You can picture the future president stalking through the night, 
the moonlight reflecting off of his glasses and in his enormous rifle, murmuring bully under his breath as a 400-pound Bigfoot sizes him up from the far side of a clearing. It would have been a battle for the ages. And now a word from our sponsor. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. The time that U.S. troops believed that they saw Bigfoot in the jungles of Vietnam, in the Kantum province of Vietnam, near the borders with Laos and Cambodia, there were many reports from the U.S. troops on patrols of a strange, not quite human, but not quite ape creature, the locals called Nagao Rung, or the people of the forest. In other words, we know him as Bigfoot. Gary Linderer was on a six-man patrol with the 101st Airborne Long Range Reconnaissance Patrols. While struggling through the underbrush, he ran into a deep set of eyes on a prominent brow, five feet tall with long muscular arms. The creature walked upright and was then much taller than five feet. He had broad shoulders and a heavy torso. His battle buddies told him he just saw a rock ape, but Lindwer had seen rock apes before. This was no rock ape. Once it stood completely tall, it was about an excess of seven feet. Like the Yeti in the Himalayas and the Sasquatch sightings all over North America, the Nagual Rung is an often told tale in this area. But despite endless sightings and folklore attached to the semi-mythical creature, no concrete evidence exists. Linderer wasn't the only witness either. Army Sergeant Thomas Jenkins reported his platoon was attacked by these apes throwing stones at them. Toward the end of the war, Viet Cong and NVA soldiers reported so many sightings of the reddish-brown-haired-covered Nagao Rong. The North Vietnamese Communist Party ordered scientists to investigate the sightings. Dr. Vo Quy, a respected doctor and environmental researcher from Hanoi, discovered the Nagao Rong footprint on the forest floor and made a cast of it. The cast was wider than a human foot and too big for an ape and much too long for a human. In 1982, another Vietnamese scientist, Tran Hong, Viet discovered more footprints, which led zoologist John McKinnon to investigate the region. McKinnon called the area a tiny, pristine corner of the world unknown to modern science. 
1969, McKinnon discovered man-like footprints in Borino's jungles, with the locals called Batutut, while much of the evidence surrounding the existence of these apes is only through theory alone. McKinnon, known for his discoveries of new mammal species in Vietnam, believes that there is a possibility the existence of a previously unknown ape species is very much real. The account of Nagai Rong meeting American GIs in Vietnam was first published in Craig P.J. Jorningson's Very Crazy GI But Strange True Stories of the Vietnam War. And now a word from our sponsor. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. The UFOstore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. The UFOstore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Experts and researchers have a theory in regards to Bigfoot. They are saying that the bear that saved a lost child about a half a year ago may have in fact been a Sasquatch. When three-year-old Casey Hathaway was found by rescuers last week after two nights lost in the freezing cold woods of North Carolina, he had a very simple explanation to give as to how he survived. A bear helped him. As his aunt Brianna Hathaway posted to Facebook, Casey is healthy, smiling, and talking. He said he hung out with a bear for two days. God sent him a friend to keep him safe. God is a good God. Miracles do happen. While obviously extremely cool if true, this seems unlikely, as bear researcher Chris Servine from University of Montana states. He says, I've never known such a thing to happen. Bears don't do that. We can all agree that it is surely miraculous that little Casey survived, but we must also all agree that it is pretty unlikely that it was the friendship of a bear that allowed him to survive. Luckily, there is a very simple, very plausible explanation for how he managed to survive. Bigfoot. The canny enthusiasts of the Bigfoot community didn't miss a trick and very quickly ascertained that the story about a magical bear was actually probably a story about the world's most famous wood ape. From the website of paranormal radio show Spaced Out Radio states, Casey said he spent two days hanging out with a bear. A bear, mind you. For the record, bears hibernate in the cold months of winter, and there are no reports available of bears coming out of hibernation to tend to lost children. However, also on record, are many reports of Bigfoot helping lost children through the ages. The complications of Bigfoot stories include a myriad of experiences where Bigfoot intervened in a lost child's plight and helped him survive. So did Casey Hathaway spend two days with a bear, or did he spend two days with Bigfoot? Could this big furry creature who many believe is just mythical have cared for and kept alive for two days in freezing weather a three-year-old toddler who wandered off and got himself in a perilous situation? Some may doubt such a thing. However, in the light of what we know about bears in winter and Bigfoot's 
documented interaction with other children, I'm going to say it was Bigfoot. ...himself in a perilous situation. Some may doubt such a thing, however, in the light of what we know about bears in winter and Bigfoot's documented interaction with other children, I'm going to say it was Bigfoot. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. What an amazing week I had in Vermont. Just returned to Ohio today. Uh, while I was in Vermont, I visited Lake Champlain in Burlington. Went to several shops looking for any merchandise pertaining to Bigfoot in Vermont or Champ in Lake Champlain. Champ, that being uh, Nessie's cousin in the States. And found several decals, but no t-shirts, unfortunately. I went to a museum in Burlington. By the time we got there, they were already closed. Turns out they are the ones that carry most of the Champ merchandise in the Stowe slash Montpelier slash Burlington area. So I went to Amazon, and just like every other bloke in America right now, I spent my money with a third party to get a shirt showing Champ at Lake Champlain. Didn't get it from Burlington, but still, it's a thought that counts considering I did spend a lot of time there. Talked to a few people about Champ and... Bigfoot sightings in Vermont and uh, heard a lot of interesting stories that people had relayed to me from what their grandparents had told them or friends that had seen Bigfoot or a Yeti type creature in the mountain region when it's snowing heavily. Uh, a lot of fun doing that. Now, a lot of people have asked me through the years how on earth I can believe in Bigfoot. And they're taken aback when I tell them that I'm seriously invested in the possibility of Bigfoot existing, that I completely believe in it. Same with uh, water monsters, all creatures of cryptozoological backgrounds, Mothman, things of that nature. And when you look at the Earth, it's over 70% water. We know more about our galaxy that surrounds us than we do about our own planet. And every day, researchers and scientists and people who just happen to be at the right place at the right time are discovering new species, a new type of butterfly, a new type of larva, a new type of monkey, a new type of strange hybrid bear, maybe some kind of a, of a mountain lion or a type of bobcat that was thought to be extinct but is very much alive. That is what keeps me believing in those things. When we live on a planet that we only know about 5% of our own ocean and it still goes deeper and deeper and we can't reach it. And a lot of the wilderness within the United States alone, not just jungle regions outside of the U.S. and in third world countries and desert regions that are untouched by man or man may have never set foot on and we've become so arrogant in the 21st century that we think we have it all figured out but then you look at those possibilities you look at that reality the fact that a majority of our own wilderness in the united states has not been thoroughly explored there's plenty of room for a creature type uh, such as bigfoot 
to to hide, to play hide and seek, to find a new location, to constantly move, or to completely blend in directly under our nose without us even noticing. Uh, it could be a creature with the ability to move in and out of space and time or in and out of a bridge to reality where a multiverse exists and they live in an alternate reality and they can step in and out of certain windows that only they know where they're located and they pop into our reality for just a glimpse for just a short moment and then boom they're back into their world the possibilities are endless and that is what keeps me believing in champ at lake champlain or bigfoot in the united states yeti throughout the world, the skunk ape in Florida, grass man in Ohio, the moth man, uh, th those things are entirely possible. <sighs> Shows like Scooby-Doo taught us a lot that the real monsters are people, essentially, and creatures like what I talk about on my podcast, even spirits, ghosts, aliens, UFOs that house aliens... Those things are entirely possible, and they're happening now, and they've happened for centuries. And it's almost as if we've reached a new age of enlightenment within the 21st century itself, because people are discussing these things openly, freely, without prejudice. Uh, hell, there's TV shows about it, radio shows, documentaries, podcasts such as my, my own podcast, people speaking openly and freely about these things. It's a great time to be alive. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. A Russian doctor suggests that Yeti could have killed a group of hikers. One of the more fantastic theories for what may have caused the infamous pass incident is getting another look thanks to a Russian doctor who says that a Yeti could have caused the tragic event. Over the last 60 years, historians and armchair researchers have offered no shortage of possible explanations for what could have killed nine hiker hikers in the Ural Mountains back in 1959. Although ideas such as an avalanche or a weapons test gone awry are usually treated as plausible. The proverbial snowman hypothesis has been largely dismissed as merely an example of just how outlandish the speculation can sometimes get. However, a fascinating new investigation by a Russian media outlet explores the often derided idea that a Siberian Sasquatch could have somehow led to the hiking party's mysterious demise. The surprisingly lengthy piece was inspired by the musings of what the outlet calls an eminent doctor, who postulated that the rib injuries sustained by two of the dead hikers were the result of a large creature squeezing their chest in a manner similar to an adult inadvertently hurting a child by embracing them with too much force. Alas, it is entirely understandable, considering the allegedly renowned doctor opted not to reveal his name for fear of being ridiculed.
Nonetheless, this bold assertion that Bigfoot might be to blame for the incident apparently led reporters to look into such a scenario, and in turn, they uncovered several fascinating witness accounts of a Sasquatch-like creature known as Kompolan lurking in the region. One such account came from a local historian who recalled camping in the Ural Mountains and discovering massive barefoot prints outside his tent in the morning as well as a tall tree nearby that inexplicably twisted into a spiral. Others recalled actually spotting the creatures and described them as one might expect tall, bipedal, and hairy. <clears throat> Quite a few residents from the region who were willing to share their knowledge of the Kompolan ascribed a number of almost supernatural abilities to these creatures, bearing an uncanny resemblance to the North American tales of Bigfoot. One individual noted that mysterious cryptids are close. The person experiences a hypnotic suggestion, which causes fear or even panic. Another witness described seeing the beast vanish before their eyes, as if they evaporated into thin air. Chillingly, several people <clears throat> blame the creature for mysterious disappearances in the area, and one even went as far as to share a classic challenging story in which a human baby was seemingly switched with that of a Kompolan. Although it is still seems highly unlikely that the past incident could have been caused by a Yeti encounter, the Kompolan accounts of the people in the region are rather fascinating, since a good number of the tales are almost certainly being shared with the world for the first time ever. And so we are probably... <clears throat> owe some gratitude to the mysterious doctor who dared to go there and in turn helped to unearth a slew of sensational and unheard of stories of the mysterious Sasquatch-like creature said to lurk in the mountains of Siberia. India's military claim photos are footprints of the mysterious and mythical Yeti. The military members found the tracks near a base camp. Because the tracks have been seen by such a large number of soldiers, they then tweeted the image out of to their some six million followers, sparking both interest and ridicule. The Yeti is a creature said to be related to North America's Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot. The footprints of the mythical beast are measuring up to 32 by 15 inches close to the Makalu base camp on the 9th of April 2019. This elusive snowman has only been sighted at Makalu Baron National Park in the past. Samples of items found long ago in the Himalayan mountains have been tested with one item found to be a finger bone of a normal human and some hair turned out to be from an extinct polar bear. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. 
I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. I've been a diehard Bigfoot enthusiast since I was a kid. There were these documentaries that were made in the 1970s. Raymond Burr hosted them. And George C. Scott did a couple as well as Leonard Nimoy. They pertain to Bigfoot sightings, eyewitness accounts, uh, dramatizations, reenactments of these said sightings. Uh, Also, the documentaries they did related to the Bermuda Triangle, UFO sightings, ghostly encounters, the ghosts of Gettysburg... The list goes on. I was very young when these came out. Um, it, it drew me in right away. And when I was about eight, I set out on my own hiking slash camping adventure looking for Bigfoot in the Gooseneck Mountains of my grandmother's property that was in between Beaver and Piketon, Ohio, on the back 40 Podunk. Uh, if you're not at all familiar with that, if you've heard of BFE... It's just south of that. It is literally over the river and through the woods and up the hill and down the mountain. It's way off the beaten path. I don't think any cell phone company gets service out there. But when I was a kid, cell phones didn't exist. We just had walkie-talkies, two-way radios, whatnot, CB radios. And I went off for what was going to be an overnight stay. I was going to camp out in the woods and look for Bigfoot. Lo and behold, it took me a few hours before I got bored and came home because instead of finding Bigfoot, I, in fact, discovered um, a deer carcass, a beehive where I almost got stung by bees, and a cave where something was snarling and growling from the inside. Um, Chances are it was either a bear or a bobcat. But when I heard that, I decided to head back home It was around 5 p.m. on a Saturday when I returned to my grandma's house, empty-handed, but not losing the faith in finding Bigfoot one day. And in fact, a promise I've made to myself as well as those who know me, if I were to ever find Bigfoot and we locked eyes and we communicated in one way, shape, or form, um, it, it would be an honor to set my eyes upon such a magnificent creature, whether it be a a humanoid or whatever his species would be, or its species would be considered uh, in reference to Bigfoot. I don't want to refer to the female Bigfoot as he. I would never tell anyone where I discovered it, where I found Bigfoot. I, I would be afraid that these gun nut hunters would run into the woods firing at anything that moves and disrupting the habitat of the Sasquatch that I found. And that would just break my heart because they are literally an endangered species. In fact, the government has already acknowledged that these things exist. Since the 1960s, they have put in the certain states, have put in their state's register as well as their almanacs. uh, Certain species that you will encounter, certain types of animals you will encounter, Uh, while camping in the wilderness, while hiking the woods, while going and exploring the mountains, rock climbing, rappelling, what have you. They always, especially in the Pacific Northwest, 
always have Bigfoot mentioned in their state almanacs or in their state registers of animals that you will encounter, creatures you will encounter. In fact, um, the state of Washington has Sasquatch as one of their, on the endangered species list, as well as one of their natural um, living creatures that reside within the area. And I know Tennessee also has something pertaining to that. And the list goes on with weird things the government has already acknowledged. For example, uh, UFO sightings, aliens, uh, fire marshal handbooks or fire department handbooks uh, in regards to like natural disasters or some sort of pandemic in relationship to alien encounters or a crashed UFO or first contact. There's actually steps that they are required to follow and train for if they do, in fact, encounter this type of phenomenon. So we've been preparing for it for a long time. It's just not really public knowledge. And it makes sense if you go all the way back to War of the Worlds when it was done in the format of a radio broadcast and everything was done with voice and sound effects before television existed, really. And this was all done on the radio. People heard this recording and thought for certain that we were under an invasion at that point in time. And there were people literally, actually people committing suicide as a result of the fear that they felt from the possibility that their loved ones were going to die due to this alien invasion that was unfolding in this radio broadcast and this, this dramatization. And so many people, by the hundreds, maybe by the thousands, thought this was a legit event that was happening. It was unfolding. And these secrets that are kept from us from the upper echelon, by the upper echelon from us, it, it makes sense if you think about it. Because the general population as a whole, a majority of people are not prepared to handle such a change to our culture, to our society, to our civilization as an invasion or an arrival for that matter. The people of the world are not prepared to handle it. And especially with, within the United States, we are full of gun nuts in this country. Now, owning a gun is one thing. I'm cool with guns. I know how to handle them. I know how to dismantle them, reassemble them, clean them, name it. I can fire them. I can shoot them well. But when dudes are going out at gun shows and acquiring AR-15s and AK-47s without so much as a background check, they themselves could also have some sort of a blemish in their background for domestic violence or for assault charges or for some sort of mental illness. And they're able to acquire firearms with such a weapon of mass destruction these killing machines they can acquire by the truckloads without a proper background check, without the waiting period that should be required when purchasing such a weapon. And there was a time when the government outlawed semi-automatic weapons. In fact, it was the Republicans who called for the banning of semi-automatic weapons. But now we have this new superpower that's running the boat and steering it directly into the rocks. And they're like, oh no, bump stocks are cool. That just turns your semi-automatic weapon into a fully automatic weapon. Why not? Because the NRA is lacing their pockets and funneling so much money into the GOP that they're bought and paid for by them. So of course they're gonna kowtow to that. The NRA in that aspect, 
they're acting like a bunch of thugs, like the Teamsters, when they were bullying people into unions and doing dirty deeds behind closed doors to manipulate the money that was being paid into said unions. There's got to be a ceiling here where eventually they bump their heads and it's like, okay, this is where it stops. Have we not reached that point yet? An invasion or an arrival from some alien species would cause these lunatics that are acquiring these killing machines, these weapons of mass destruction, to essentially start an interstellar war because they would run out to the yards of their homes or their buddies' houses, get lit up on moonshine, and start firing at whatever they saw in the sky. And their weapons are far more advanced than ours. So all it would do is just piss them off, and then it would cause us to become completely vaporized. It's just a key point to think about. We're really, as a civilization, not prepared for the truth, not equipped to handle it. It would change everything about what we know and what modern science has taught us and what known science can comprehend. Well, that's it for today. See you next time on Paranormally Speaking. I'm Neil Parks, your host. You're unbelievable. You're so unbelievable. You're unbelievable.